Magandang buhay sa iyo lahat. You're tuned into Pinoy Australiano. Today we're gonna have Lopez Lawang back on the show for further readings of the Soul Book. And we're gonna talk about all sorts of other things, weird, strange, fantastic, and humorous about being a Filipino-Australian. Stay tuned. Magandang buhay sa iyo lahat, mga listeners. Ako po si Lopez Lawang with another excerpt from the Philippine Reader Series, The Soul Book by Demetrio, Fernando, and Zialcita. Introduction to Philippine Pagan Religion. The Power Sources. The Native Idea of Creation. To create is commonly understood as to produce something out of nothing. When God said, let there be light, and there was light, He created a light out of nothing. Before that, there was only darkness, and no material existed out of which the light was made. Creation out of nothing is called a first creation, and is found principally in the Judeo-Christian Muslim tradition. It requires as creator a perfectly omnipotent being, thoroughly self-sufficient and capable of producing his own creation independent of any other power. The Second Creation Creation as conceived by the early Filipinos is more in the nature of a second creation. Therefore, the making of a particular object out of some underlying material. We find this in all Philippine creation stories. The creator makes a specific object, the world, the tree, or man. Before the creation, the world, the tree, or man were non-existent. A substratum is used to form them, such as wood, clay, or rock. Let me interject here for a second, uh, listeners. How can there be a substratum to make a make a tree if there is no wood? <laughs> Indeed, joke lang. You have to listen. You have to just relax your your logic when you're listening to mythology. Anyway, back to the program. In many traditions, these substances were always there from the very beginning. Creation simply formed them into specific objects. Thus, Melu, the Bagobo creator, used the leavings of his body skin, which he constantly scrubbed off, in order to passion the earth. In the Bicol account, after their unsuccessful rebellion against their grandfather, Langit, the sky, the copper body of Bulan became the moon, and the golden body of Aldao became the sun. In other traditions, not of the Philippines, a ready world was simply lifted up with a fish hook from the bottom of the primordial ocean by the Creator. Or, as with the American Indians, the swimming animals brought up slime from the bottom of the sea spread it over the back of another animal, and 
it grew into the world. Wow. The Bad Brother. In many of our creation myths, the Creator has a brother who is envious, short of imagination, and who is responsible for the defects and imperfections of the resulting creation. Thus, in the Bagobo myth, after Melo had almost finished making the figures of the first people, his brother Funtao Tana came up from his dwelling place in the lowest tier of the underworld and demanded that the making of the noses be left to him. Melu, to avoid strife, agreed just before he left for his home in the sky. But Puntao Tana placed them upside down. As a result, when the rains came, the first people almost drowned because the water flowing from their heads entered into their wide open nostrils. Seeing their plight, Melu came down from his place in the sky and reset the noses. In a Manuvu myth, Mandamas mirror image the evil Ogasi, envious of the figures the good God had set out to drive, managed to incorporate a few white abaca strands into the clay. Hence the creatures became immortal no longer. They were doomed to grow white hair, get old, and die. The, Bukid, the Bukidnons of the central highlands of Mindanao have one of the richest robes of oral literature. In their myth of creation, Magbabaya's bad brother, Mangilala, interfered with his clay figures of humans by giving them thin skins and breathing into them. Luckily, Magbabaya covered the extremities of their fingers and toes with superior materials from the sky. These became their nails. But sometimes, humans are tempted to do evil, thanks to Mangilala's breath. When the motive of the bad brother may be saying, excuse me, sorry, let me repeat this sentence. What the, what the motive of the bad brother may be saying is that the good and the bad, the positive and the negative, Life and death are intertwined in life. One is not possible without the other. The loneliness of the sky god. One reason the world was created was to assuage the loneliness of the creator who lived all alone in the world. This is definitely a far cry from the Hebrew god who was complete in himself and created the world to share his life. Are cultural patterns reflected here? The cheap mode of subsistence in the Philippines was agriculture, which requires a cooperative venture. Among the Hebrews, agriculture too was practiced, but more favored was shepherding, which encourages the individual to be by himself for long periods of time, while watching over his flock. Second creation, the presence of a rival creator, and the creator's loneliness all point to a creator who is less than omnipotent. Bukidnon, the creation of the universe.
in the beginning. There was only a small circular space of intense brightness called a bunting. It was surrounded by a rainbow and only three beings existed. Two of them sat pacing each other in the narrow confines of the bunting. One was good, the other evil. One was the, supre one was the supreme planner, a good being that looked like man. His name was Diwatana Magbabaya, which means pure God who wills all things. The bad being also had a human body, but he had ten heads continuously drooling sticky saliva. Kadiri. His name was Dadanhayan Hasugai, which means Lord from whom permission is asked. These two were held up by a third being suspended above them who had a hawk-like head, powerful wings, and a human body. The hawk-like being was continually flapping his wings in order to balance the banting because of the two beings in it who were constantly bickering. The beating of his wings produced the wind. Only the winged being could cool the heads and thus he was their guardian. His name was Agtayabun, which means advisor or peacemaker. One day, Diwata Magbabaya, the planner being, who looked like man, thought of enlarging the Banting. To steady it, he created the earth. And Banting was in the sky, so the poor winged being could rest. Diwata Magbabaya was a good planner. He knew, however, that he would have need of the soil on which the ten-headed being jealously sat. But the ten-headed being was always so difficult to convince. The god with eagle wings immediately saw the problem. Swiftly, he swooped down and scooped some soil from under the ten-headed being. The ten-headed being was startled and furious. Why do you get what is mine without my permission? He asked. Don't be angry, said Diwata Magbabaya. I have a plan. And it is good for all of us. If you will let me use some of your soil, I will steady the banting and enlarge it. Then there will be enough space to stretch our legs and walk around so that we do not quarrel all the time. And so the earth was created. The hawk-like being could at least rest his wings. But the soil with which the earth had been made soon became extremely dry. Again, Diwata Magbabaya looked longingly at the sticky saliva drooling out of the many-headed being's ten heads. If you will let me use some of your saliva, we can beautify the earth, the god planner suggested. The ten-headed being was only too flattered to become part of any beautification project, and so he consented. Ayos! Diwata Magbabaya took some of the saliva and mixed it with the soil. A great rain fell. For endless days, water flowed over the earth. When it receded, the being saw the various shapes. 
when it receded, the being saw the various shapes had been created. There were mountains, hills, valleys, plains, and canyons. Enough water still remained for streams and rivers, which flowed into a big hole called the ocean. Lush green grass, trees, and flowers sprang from the earth and enveloped it. The earth had indeed become beautiful. The three beings were delighted. They called the place Haldan Taparaiso, which means Garden of Paradise. I believe Paraiso is a Spanish word. I'm not sure about its mythology, but I digress. Let us continue. The Supreme Planner had a new idea. Since we can't always be here, wouldn't it be wise to have beings like us to watch over the earth? The winged being thought it was a great idea, and the ted-headed being grudgingly agreed to it. The three walked around the beautiful garden. They gathered some earth to serve as the flesh and water to serve as the blood. They cut some pine rattan to serve as the veins and arteries, and they sop white wood of the andalugong tree to serve as the bones. The beings moistened the earth with water, trying to form the figures, but the soil kept crumbling. Again, Diwata Magbabaya looked towards the ten-headed being and the sticky saliva drooling from his many mouths. Ah, can we have a little to mold these figures? He asked. Afraid of being left out of the interesting operation of the ten-headed being, agreed to mix some of his saliva with the earth. Now, Diwata Magbabaya stood up, but his arms on put his arms on his hips and told the ten-headed being, you can make the figures, but you must copy me exactly. The ten-headed being was not quite convinced, but he had no argument at hand, and so he resentfully did as he was told. Soon seven figures, each with only one head and no drooling saliva, were finished by the ten-headed being. The three beings were pleased with the result. Diwata Magbabaya put the figures side by side. Let them alone for a while, he told the two others. I shall go to the sky to think further how to perfect them. While the supreme planner was gone, however, the ten-headed being decided to work on the figures on his own. He had a few ideas himself. When Diwata Magbabai happened to look down from the Banting, he was horrified to see the six of the seven figurines, figures sorry, were already beginning to move. He rushed down at once. Didn't I tell you not to touch them while I was thinking of how to perfect them? Diwata Magbabai scolded the ten-headed being. What makes you believe you alone can make them perfect? Answered the ten-headed being. Why do you think only you know how to create? Maybe not, said Diwata Magbabaya, but so far it's my ideas and plans that have enabled us to create the earth, and it was after my image that the figures were made. 
Indeed, said the ten-headed being, but all the materials used were mine. You had none. Therefore, I have as much right as you to do what I want with them. Tama. Each super being has he had his point. Each could defend his own arguments. As usual, the hawk-like being with the wings served as judge and head cooler. Since neither one would give in, it was agreed that there should be an armed duel. The victor should be recognized as the greatest and could decide what to do with all the figures. <laughs> Out came the swords and the duel began. The two opponents struck, to, struck swords as if each were the final blow. Their plashing blades produced the lightning. The combatants were able to go around the world fighting. The wing referee declared a recess and they went to paradise to appraise their wounds. But neither combatant suffered a single scratch. So the duel continued. The battle became even fiercer and more furious. Whenever the being's feet landed on the ground, a loud thunderclap was produced. They battled each other so fast and furiously that they went around the world seven times. After the seventh round, the three again retired to Haldan Taparaiso to examine their bodies. And each one was still unscathed. But this time the swords and metal scabbards on their belts had all but melted. They slid down their bodies, sunk into the ground, and became the metals found under the earth. Since neither the good being nor the bad being could win nor lose, they decided to settle the matter amicably. Diwata Magbabaya said, Since you have already begun work on the six figures, just finish them. But let me work on the one figure left. Thus, it was that, that the six figures that were finished by the ten-headed being became incantus or guardian spirits. The, talabu, the talabukta was assigned to look after the soil for cultivation. The ibabagsuk was in charge of the growing plants. The bulalakao became guardian of the water and all its living creatures. The mamemelig was, was to swatch over the forest. The lalawig had as its special charge the bees and their honey. The mamahandi was to guard over whatever wealth man acquired, therefore his cows and carabaos, his crops and his farmhouse. Like all the creatures made from the efforts of the super beings, the incantus contained both good and evil qualities, as does man. They take care of nature and will give of its fruits, but they expect respect and gratitude in the form of prayers and sacrifices of pigs and chickens. The six creatures take quick offense and send drought or blood or pestilence or sickness to those who do not thank them or seek their permission to build a house or to harvest the field or to cut the first slice 
of meat. Diwata Magbabaya also finished his figure. As a distinguishing feature, he endowed it with intelligence. He had created the first human being. To the first man was entrusted the Haldanta Paraiso, the small bits of clay cut off from the seven diwata as they were being carved were not washed, wasted. They were not wasted. They became other living creatures. Those scooped from the armpits became birds, fowls, insects, and other flying creatures. The clay sliced from the backs of the figures became the food that had to be carried on one's back, such as deer, wild pigs, and the like. The bits cut out from between the fingers became the fishes and other water creatures that are caught with the fingers. Those cut from the crotch became the animals that one has to ride astride, such as horses, cows, and carabaos. And that was the Bukidnon, The Creation of the Universe, by Carmen Chin Unabia, 1986. Maraming salamat guys for listening to another excerpt of The Power Sources and The Soul Book. We hope you join us again next time for more about Philippine Pagan Mythology. Maraming salamat! Brothers and sisters, before I leave, I will read one more excerpt from this soul book. And the title of this chapter is known as The Other Paces. Three major world religions have left an imprint on indigenous religion in the Philippines. To reconstruct what this religion is like, we have to sort out the foreign. Starting around the 3rd century AD, Hinduism began to spread throughout the Malay Peninsula, Sumatra, and Java. The cradle of the newcomer was India, where it began over a millennium before Christ. It has been said that Hinduism resembles tropical vegetation. It has many cults and deities, many schools and philosophies, all of which interweave somehow. The central Hindu insight is that there is one divine principle, one Godhead, but its manifest manifestations are diverse. Essentially, the manifestations are tripled, hence the Godhead is called the Trimurti, Brahma, the still center of the Godhead is the source of creation. Vishnu is the beneficent energy that flows through all things. And Shiva is the eternal rhythm responsible for both destruction and regeneration. These manifestations complement each other. To show Brahma's ancient majesty, he is depicted with four bearded heads and arms. Vishnu, on the other hand, is an attractive, four-armed, blue-skinned young man who holds a conch and a lotus and rides the eagle Garuda. 
Shiva's principal emblem is his palace, the most sacred object of worship. He dances worlds in and out of existence. The second insight is that man attains salvation by escaping the endless cycle of birth and death. For as long as he does not purify himself of his desires, whether for material things or for self-advancement, he will be born and reborn again. After raising a family, man should aim to be an ascetic, alone in a forest hut and dedicated to prayer. Ultimately, in his old age, he should wander about as a beggar living on alms. When all desire has been quenched, the finite self at least merges into the infinite God. A religion that developed in India alongside Hinduism in the 6th century BC was Buddhism, which rejected its many gods and sought instead to attain enlightenment through meditation and asceticism. Asceticism, sorry guys. Through Though the two religions were rivals in India, they spread through they spread together in the Malay in the Malay Peninsula and Indonesia and were in fact the guiding principle of two empires, Sri Vijaya and Majapahit. Did the Philippines form part of these empires as used to be thought? The present consensus is no. However, Ideas from Hinduism did enter Mindanao and Sulu, for trade took place between those two places and the empires. Thus, the Bukidnon creation myth has three divine persons. The Danhayan Hasugai has ten heads all drooling saliva. This looks like an extravagant version of the four heads of Brahma. Diwatana Magbabaya, who looks like a human being, one head, two arms, two legs, may be a version of Shiva, who is, who is so depicted. Aktayabun seems to be a composite of Shiva and Vishnu. He has the Garuda hawk-like head and also the dancing motions of Shiva, lord of the cosmic dance. The multi-layered universe found in Mindanao and even Visayas are of Indian influence, as will be shown in the next chapter. However, in the absence of courts, temples, and priests organized on the Indian model, Indian model, more basic Indian beliefs did not enter. For instance, the notion that every man must gradually divest himself of all attachment to the senses in order to attain union with the one, and thus escape the cycle of rebirth. During the first century AD, a new religion sprang up in Palestine. The followers of Jesus Christ thought that man was indeed born, removed from God because of the original sin committed by the first human couple, Adam and Eve. However, Christ, the Son of God, had redeemed man through his suffering, death, and resurrection. There were three divine persons in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Son had gone back to the Father, but he had sent his Spirit to dwell within the community of his followers. Through baptism, man could be cleansed of original sin and become Christ's fellow. 
Through prayer and good work, man could battle the constant temptation to violate God's laws. Through the Thanksgiving meal, where bread and wine were blessed, Christ became present again as nourishment for the soul. A life of continual self-denial and prayer was held up as an ideal, and, along with this, service to one's fellow men. Thus Christ had given up all, including his life, for the sake of humanity. Seven centuries later, another religion took form among the merchants of Arabia. Muhammad acknowledged the greatness of the prophets of Israel, especially Christ, but he claimed to be the last of the prophets. His message was clear and simple. There was but one God and Muhammad was his prophet. Salvation consist, consisted in absolute submission to God's will. Hmm. There seems to be a, write, uh, a writing... Uh, A problem with the writing here. The, 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 the sentence does not continue. Anyway, back to the program. Were various duties exacted from the believer? He had to pray five times a day, pay a portion of his income to charity, fast during, fast during sacred period of Ramadan, fast during the sacred period of Ramadan, <laughs> and travel in pilgrimage at least once in his lifetime, to the holy city of Mecca. <clears throat> Both Islam and Christianity taught that below God were good and evil spirits, angels and demons who battled each other for the souls of men. Man therefore had to struggle hard to reach heaven, the abode of the just and avoid hell, the realm of the wicked. Be being militantly monotheistic, monotheistic, both religions forbade the practice of other religions especially those that had idols and believed in many gods. During one Sinulog festival in Cebu, there was a float with a Muslim princess making offerings to idols. Obviously, such a float is inaccurate and highly insulting to Muslims. Unfortunately, the popular mind keeps confusing Islam with the earlier indigenous religion. Islam overthrew Hindu empires in India and Indonesia and reached Sulu by the 14th century, or even earlier by trade. Christianity came in during the 16th century through Spanish soldiers and missionaries who had just completed the overthrow of two empires in the New World. Unlike Hinduism, whose influence on local religion often has to be guessed at, the influences of the newcomers are much more obvious they are still very much around. Some elements of these two traditions have affected the beliefs of minority groups that worship nature spirits at the time scholars visited them, through trade visits to Christian and Muslim settlements and occasional missionary efforts, the unconverted inevitably picked up new concepts that they integrated into their beliefs. Both Islam and Christianity revered the Old and New Testaments. The difference is that Muslims regard the Quran as the word of God. Muslim and Christian elements that appear in some of the local mythologies are the following. Number one, the belief in one God who punishes sin, understood as the violation of an objective divine law by sending the sinning soul to eternal hellfire. 
Number two, heaven as a reward for good deeds, understood as compliance with God's law and located in the sky. Number three, winged angels and devils battling with each other for control over humans. Number four, Adam and Eve as the parents of mankind residing in a bountiful garden called paradise before they committed the first sin. Disentangling these foreign elements from stories where they appear helps reveal the original fabric of our indigenous religion. What's going on guys? It's uh, Anthony Lewis. I haven't been uh, featured on the show for quite some time now because, um, you know, Anthony uh, Lamarock Lewang, my alter ego, has just been a bit of a podcast hog. You know, and, and he wants to express his whole, like, uh, romantic view of, of, of Philippine mythology and Filipino culture and, and, and how um, you could deem it, um, how he deems it um, necessary, you know, deem it necessary, not unnecessary. I think it's unnecessary, but he deems it necessary to um, be, you know, be a way of improvement for, for life and culture for Filipino Australians trying to get back in contact with their roots, you know? But anyway, so, um, I wasn't too sure what I was going to do in my segment today, but, you know, any, any cunt knows out there, out here in Australia that, like, phyllos, you know, that's for those of you who don't know what a phyllo is, it's not that pastry you eat with the meat in it, you know, like meat pie or, or, Stitzy or something, but a philo is actually a um, it's 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 how Aussies, um, how how Filipinos in Australia um, refer to themselves, philos. Yeah, there's no feminine. I've never heard fillers like that's 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 next level. I might even introduce start introducing that when I start talking to like you know you know my, my Filipino mates. Yeah, fillers. But anyway, so the, we all. Uh, most people here in Australia, like, recognise us as, like, you know, jovial, singing, dancing, basketball playing, you know, weird, um, Chinese-Mexican kind of guys. <laughs> yeah, they're not sure if, if we're Islander or, or, or we're Asian, you know, because some of us are chinky-eyed, but we're, like, real dark-skinned, so, like, we're Blasians you know, and, um, yeah, so I thought I'd, I'd use this moment to, um, give you a bit of, you know, give you some bars, so to speak, yeah, like, I've got bars, I don't have the beat, I've been struggling to, like, create a beat for ages, anything I come up with just sounds like shit, <laughs> You've got to find me like one of them producers, like a like a Kanye West or a, or a Jermaine Dupree or or you know some of these new cats coming out because the music's like you know just it's really dope. But um yeah man um I've just realised that there's like three minute segments here for me to put background music, so I'm gonna end it here. Stay tuned and then I'll drop some bars. Oi guys, so I don't have a beat, you know, I can't produce my own shit yet, sounds like shit, so I'm just gonna have to do a, uh, a cappella, mate.
I'm gonna have to do like the new kids, the new school cats call it. Um, they call it um freestyle, but you know freestyle in my day was like from the top of the dome kind of stuff, not pre-written. You know, like that's pre-written what these guys are doing sometimes. But I don't know. You never know really. Like they're just rappers. You know, MCs these days pretty. You know high level skills which I don't ever, ever think I'm ever gonna I'm gonna reach but I reckon one day mate I'm gonna I'm just gonna be like a mad cunt and like I'm gonna shout all my mates Vietnamese bitter you know it's gonna be sick but check it rice paper inventy invent slang Wu-Tang plenty, Port Royal schmoil fuck tailors I got rollies 60 for chop chop no preservatives Vic market royalties what you expect flip the tax brackish smack it like a border collie a bit sausagey butterfly a papillon spelt pan but actually it's pun pun pitter patter the rhyme style like big pun fuck peter pan for being a dumb cunt sick dudes will be your sick dudes but not him you a sick dude blasphemy like milk in black coffee complete opposite brown whitening identity mama's thoughts my thoughts a bit frightening Newer gay dude, more bitch than butch. Like a lesbian, unlike dyke feminist. Was cool with his clique, but not a cool narcissist. Like my gene to be pro-pearl orient. Spanish, indigenous, confused on my genesis. Genesis, called the gynecologist. Said I was a genius on a compensation plan. Took the antioxidant exo. Ill flow gel suspension technologio. <laughs> With all the heat like me Ebonics on remix Call Melbonics BK around the corner Sip port and pizza Contraps evaporated Smooth operator Operating correctly From Walgate <laughs> Her name was Mary Last night sipping Soko Where else getting loco in the place Yeah, uh-huh That's Kerry's Drugs on the photos, Felice ice cold with the fleece, flush, but Fave's son got a piece. Escape like a gaijin, then saw Liz, was a Melbourne king ciphering at Circle Prince. And since Siglio, since this is it, pull my weight like real like cargo. Internet fame, SoundCloud, what it is, no. So many toys, domestic that exist, no. Gotta roast the swine, yo. Port crackling, two pork at Pacific House on the Greek street. Stalactites lost its props, but he's still on some slick shit. City of chongs, thongs, and sand migs. Where I belong, people singing my song. And this is what I've been waiting for all night long. Champagne King, love come down. And Dreams 98, like K Mel on the German tip. Melbourne, where my heart will rest. Ain't doing this if I ain't the best. Sick flows like footwork texts and destroy the shit like Sam Burning texts on Mount. Peace, guys. Thank you so much for uh, listening to my rap. It's originally titled Is Good from um, a beat that was given to me by um, Gee Whiz. My, his name's escaped me. He's a producer from um, Western Australia out of Perth. Um, they were known as Rubber Band Beats. Man, i got to remember his name now. He gave me a beat and it was called Is Good. And I wrote this rap. And, you know, at the time, this was written, um, if I look at the data on the file here, this was uh, created on the 28th of August, 2010. So this is almost a 10-year rhyme, guys. But, yeah, you know, shout-outs to um, Rubber Band Beats. Um, I hope... 
I hope you guys are good. And uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. And uh, I'll catch you next time here on Pinoy Australiano. Magandang buhay sa lahat, guys. This is Anthony Lama Rock Loang. You just heard from um, Anthony Lewis and uh, Lopez Loang. <laughs> You're probably thinking, man, this this guy's cooked. Plays these characters of himself. Like, what a hectic guy. And, um... <laughs> um, it's hectic, hey? Like, uh... Just being, um... You know? Being that kind of artist who has to express himself... Or herself, or being that Pinoy Australiano, this made-up term to mean Filipino Australian, to express or reconcile these two different sides of himself, you know. So a little bit about me, right? Is like I grew up. What's What's beautiful about Melbourne, while I reboot my computer here, is is it's a very multicultural country, yeah. And while there's all this kerfuffle about racism and and you know this and that and you know the more and more i you know slowly scratch away at what's going on you know we're talking about left wing right wing we're talking about politics we're talking about you know hate speech we're talking about uh war and culture we're we just i don't know it's just it's just ridiculous right now as as the race for money continues to increase and become more difficult, you know. But so yeah, wherever we're at in 2018, it's it's kind of like these are all things that um are running through my head and, and I'm finding as a as a Uber driver, you know, um finding as a Uber driver the passengers I speak to and the conversations that I that I that I strike up. One passenger was was cool enough to say that I was a great conversationalist, which I thought was pretty, you know, was pretty cool. But um, what can I say? You know, like, it seems like people are going through these these things, and for myself, we're all going through similar things and and feeling and believing similar things. But you know, maybe the thing that I'm doing right now is I am actually legitimately just trying to deal with these issues by doing creative things like these podcasts. And and as a result, you know, I'm I'm learning how to identify the various parts of myself. And I guess in, in essence, this is like me unpeeling these multiple layers, layers yeah? Funny I said layers, because a layer is like, you know, the dragon's lair, you know, it's like a den, it's like a cave, you know, like... We're trying to get into the the layer inside of oneself, you know, and really get down to the nitty-gritty or get into the nitty-gritty to peel off those layers of an onion, so to speak. Shit makes you cry, man, so be careful. <laughs> put, two matchsticks, put two matchsticks in your mouth or wear goggles or and a face mask. <laughs> or just be a tough cunt and, and deal with it. <laughs> How many people don't like being uncomfortable? I think the majority of the world. But if you can go through that without um, 
without punishing yourself so much like like I do, <laughs> you might have a better time. <laughs> but at least I can laugh about it, guys. And yeah, you know, so as I do, I always go on a, on a tangent and, and, and never really have anything specific to, to talk about. But yeah, guys, you know, like... Uh, that's Pino Estraliano. This is a thank you for joining me on my journey of uncovering things and, you know, listening to the crap that I come up with. And, um, yeah, I guess we'll wait till the next segment. In fact, you know what? We'll just keep this in silence because you're listening. It's it's probably better that there's no background music. It could be a bit distracting. I'll, I'll, I'll go for a bit more. But, um... I wanna um I want to dedicate this um particular episode um to uh someone who's um passed away recently and, and I wanna dedicate this to his family. I wanna ded- dedicate this um to the Fabai clan um for the passing of the dearly beloved um Arsenio DJ Kuya Yorka Fabai. Um, for those of you who don't know who he is, um, I implore you to 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 Google his name, DJ Kuya with a K K U Y A. And I don't know too much about his background. Yeah, um, I don't know too much about his history. But I have worked with the man before we've performed on stage together or I performed as part of his brother, DJ Dexter. Um, DJ Dexter set at um, Pyramid Rock Festival one one year and, and the sets they used to come up with and, and go to their, you know, their events where they where they do the full DJ, tur- DJ turntablism thing. And so what I'm going to say here is I'm going to, I'm just going to express to you guys what I feel um the impact he's had on me as as a Filipino Australian. You know D- DJ Kuya is like he's a pioneer. He's he was not only the pioneer of the Filipino um Australian community in Melbourne in his own sort of way. And I'm going to touch on this. We might as well explore that idea for a second. Like, what does it mean to be a pioneer? And what does it mean to be a Filipino-Australian pioneer in your community? Well, let me tell you this. If you would speak to a group of Filipinos of that generation, I think DJ Koya was born in 1974 or... 
you know, they these guys held it down for that R&B, that hip-hop, rap, and all the oldies, like the old disco and the old Filipino anthems of rock and roll and, and what whatnot for our community when there would be community parties. So one thing that's missing, I think, that uh, I remember as a kid growing up in the 80s is going to these Filipino parties, like predominantly Filipino, yeah? And all the parents would mingle and be introduced to other people and all the kids would be running around at the same time, yeah? And that scenario where the men were getting wasted and the women were like chatting and gossiping and then some men and some women might have been gambling, whether it be cards or mahjong, and it was like transgenerational. It wasn't as adult as things are now. You know, that was a scene that, you know, DJ Dexter and of course his older brother DJ Kuya and, and you know those of us that were fortunate to be part of that were involved in. And so DJ Kuya was definitely a prominent figure within the DJs of that that era, you know? And so, you know, like, um, DJ Kuya, DJ FX, and DJ Dexter used to have a store in front of SMC um, just by the entrance. So SMC was a skateboard store back when it was on the corner of Lonsdale Street and Swanston Street, which now sits a um, McDonald's and an Emporium. Yeah, it was also where St. Jerome's um, laneway was back in the day before they they knocked all that shit down, you know. And they also had a skate part, a, a, a half pipe or quarter pipe in the same building. So imagine as a kid going there because it's a skate store because skating was, was all the craze in the late 90s, you know. And, um, you know, bumping into Kuya and Dexter and, and, and I never bumped into FX. But, like, they were running a, a record store there in front, you know? How many of you guys know about that? How many of you guys have, have heard about that, you know? And, and I don't expect anyone to know, but that's why I'm telling you. And so here is a guy that was ahead of his time. He, was, he had a record store when, you know, re records were, were going out. And it's funny, 20 years later, records are coming back in and now there's a need for these record stores again. You know, people actually want to buy them. And so as I sort of warm up this story, it's like DJ Kuya, as far back as I remember, used to work for um, an Apple reseller out in Mooney Ponds. That's how I'd, I'd bumped into him. But prior to that, I believe he was working at, at, at Manning's or Manny's, uh, a music store, and he was in charge of the tech gear. And then I think he eventually became part of the operatives and shout-outs to the operatives who recognised his, his skill and his, the value of him as an artist for Melbourne. Yeah, like, um, I think his name's... I think his name's Jerry Jerry Prune. Excuse me for being ignorant, but you know, shout outs to Jerry Prune for being a, a, a strong businessman and and a man who can also um, protect uh, 
I guess Australia's street or Melbourne street slash hip hop slash whatever else you call cool culture with with a good mindset for business, you know. So shout outs to him. I, I didn't get to um didn't wasn't my thing to introduce myself to him in, in um in DJ Kuya's funeral. But I guess the moment will come up again and you know, so DJ Kuya touched a lot of lives. He helped a lot of people, you know, directly or indirectly. Most directly, I believe, he was the guy who taught his younger brother how to DJ. And I remember they had like a 20-year anniversary um, event at the Hi-Fi bar. And it was one of those moments where, man, it was great to see so many Filipinos in one building. And back in those days, you know, I think we're talking about like 2009 or 2010. When you're in your mid to late 20s, you know, everything you do because you're, you're stuck in your career is, is, is so, it's so like adult. Everything is so adult, you know, like it's almost like there's no time to think about kids. There's no time to think about, you know, that innocence of being young and, and you're doing all this adult shit. You're on the hustle, you're on the grind and you don't have time to 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 mess around that way, you know, or, or to save a moments like that, you know. And so regardless, the hi-fi bar was filled with so many Filipinos, fans of these two brothers, you know, mixing with a non-Filipino crowd and, and everything was just like, wow, that's an incredible view of of communal unity call it multicultural call it whatever you, you want to call it but for me there was it was its own thing you know and i guess where where things have have transpired now it's like i feel like i, I want to step out from that kind of scene and let the new younger adults do that because i'm not interested in how how adult things are in this point in time you know now it's it's really about flaunting status and flaunting, you know, like material goods and being the first to do this and to do that and being in competition with each other. And there's no true unity. In fact, maybe when these people unite together, and look, this is only the negative view on it. I'm sure there's always positive, there's always a positive to it. But what I'm seeing is there are these people that are getting together that are actually not really together. They're just there to some in some weird way compete against each other and keep each other validated you know and i think that's sad and i think you know for for for, for older people or people who've been run through the mill so to speak you know put through the grinder like broken down into pieces these guys as they recover they they take a step back and and they just work with their own and it was quite sad yesterday you know like to 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 it it was both sad and 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 beautiful at the same time but to hear the eulogy of um the eulogy of of DJ Kuya which was predominantly read by his nephews you know like to to be to be a, a proud person right to be a proud person of, of, of your heritage, you know, that you're constantly risk rediscovering, and to be a, a, a proud person of, of 
your skill set, you know, your your art culture, the subculture, the scene, the community you come from, you know. When things get too adult, you know, things like politics creep in, ego, you know, how you've been mistreated, this, this and that, expectations, you know, your utopian view of whatever the fuck you're doing, you know. And you, you, you tend to forget about the new generation. In fact, the most typical thing in hip-hop is like, you... You dis you disown you disregard you diss straightforward diss straight up diss the new generation and criticize them you know but here we have three or four young young boys you know obviously distraught and shocked that their uncles passed away but when they were doing his eulogy like the things that they mentioned just you know brought. A smile to people's faces, and there was a few chuckles, and people were laughing, and and you know, like, and and you know, I guess you could say tears of joy and sorrow were happening at the same time. You know, this man really touched a lot of people's lives, as was was evident by the the attendance. You know, we had DJ J Red. His wife was there too. You know, that's ITF DMC champion there. He had DJ. Keris, K, uh, DJ FX, who was on the old PBS shows on uh, The Formula on uh, 106.7 PBS, yeah, uh, which Chewbacca and them, them lot, you know, and then um, old school Filipino, you know, guys that I used to look up to, you know, at these parties, just because just they were older, you know, like, you know, the gangsters, so to speak, the tough guys, you know, like, even bullies sometimes they were all there you know the the guys that are the 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 parents that are older than my parents were there and i was just like you know all the just so many people guys like dj queer was a was a fucking legend you know rest in peace rest in power rest in paradise dj queer man we're gonna miss you so much you know and I guess I'm going to keep on going. You know, this is 20 minutes. It's almost longer than the whole, like, podcast. But this is sort of my way of, of... This is my way of expressing this, you know. And I think if you're still listening, thank you very much. You know, it's it's a bit a bit long and lengthy. But, you know, we I'm going to dedicate this to DJ Kuya. I, I really hadn't had a chance to... I really hadn't had a chance to... Um, process this whole thing i was told on on friday or last thursday um that that um he passed and 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 upon hearing it i just i just dropped to my knees you know i'm not trying to be dramatic but it was you know it was like feeling a loss in the force because that's how that's how important this guy was you know, he was one of the first guys, like, early 2000s, possibly even before that, to recognize the power of creativity in that new technology that was being introduced to producing music and DJing at the time. He was one of the first guys utilizing the the, the, the digital audio workstations, the AWs, and how they would... Um, how they would work 
in 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 with with uh, DJ software and how that you could enhance your life performing. You know, he um he was on to um midi keys on using midi keys as as ways to like improve your DJing as well like. I wish I knew more about him, but I knew that like he was always advocating that stuff. And if it wasn't for the stuff that he was advocating, we wouldn't have what we have now. And he had the foresight to see that. But what what saddens me, you know, is like why no one perhaps really recognized him and why he wasn't as famous perhaps or you know, as well off as he should have been, you know, as a DJ, you know, and that's not a criticism to anyone else or to him, you know, it was just the story that panned out, you know, and, you know, DJ Kuya, I know, had very strong beliefs and very strong opinions, but, um, you know, he had his own demons to deal with, obviously, because unbeknownst to us, he was actually very unwell. And we remember, I remember the time where he was going through, through treatment for cancer, I believe. I think it was, he was going through, it was, he had cancer, I think it was, and he had, he had to take chemo for a period of time and he recovered from that. And then when we see him, he was like renewed, you know, he'd lost so much weight, his hair had grown out and he was just moving on with the next shit, you know, and then just came as a shock because no one even knew that he was sick. And he passed away at hospital last week, you know, and truly a legend has left us. You know, when, when I was, when I woke up that morning and that sort of, sullen vibe that you feel when you're getting ready to go to a funeral, you know. I was, um, I was listening, I heard a line from a song and it was, I talked about it in my last podcast, the last episode, about walang iwanan, you know, like no one, no one should be left behind, you know. Maybe the way I was thinking about it yesterday and how tra- and, and how tragic it was because I, I tend to be very overly dramatic is that that I thought it was tragic that a lot of Filipino Australians don't know who DJ Kuya is, you know? Like, in fact, his name itself, DJ Kuya, you know, Kuya means older brother. Like, no other DJ has that name with that amount of respect. I'm sure there's another DJ Kuya out there because he just, you know, he thought of himself as DJ Kuya but had no idea about the DJ Kuya from Melbourne, from Australia, you know? But the point being is that he was already a pioneer for Pinoy Stralianos back then, yeah? He was like, you know what? All these DJs have their names and whatnot. What am I going to call myself? Well, I get called Kuya because I'm like the oldest brother. So I might as well call myself DJ Kuya. What an honest, amazingly pragmatic 
process to name yourself. I don't think that's what DJ Clear was. He was a very pragmatic artist, you know. He was just as much tech savvy as he was creative, you know. And maybe the music he came out was a, you know, like a expression of what was going on inside him internally. So if I would to go, if I would in ret- retrospect go and listen to all this stuff, I'll be able to see and hear, you know, the the the, the vibe and the, the 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 messages and and the vibes, the feels he was trying to convey during those pieces, you know, and and that's why I implore every other Filipino Australian and any person for that matter to like do some kind of creative art, you know. I'm doing podcasting. I'm just I'm just conversating. So let let's say I'm 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 trying to trying to explore the art of conver- conversationalism, <laughs> if that's a word, if that's a term about being Filipino Australian, or more importantly about my own identity, because because creative people and artists have have a hard time figuring out their identity, and what was DJ Queer? He was a queer. He was a queer for a lot of people. He taught a lot of people th- things about turntablism, about DJing. He he let people know about a lot of cool shit that was happening. He was like a Star Wars geek, you know. I'm pretty sure he had some pretty deep opinions and expressions on certain things, you know. I think, you know, like, I think he was atheist and, you know, maybe parts of him were anti, you know, religion and whatnot, you know. And, and, and that's... That's tough if you really think about it. You know, I commend him for for doing that for whatever reasons, you know, good and bad. Like, you know, most Filipinos just accept being, because we're born into Catholicism or Christianity or even Islam, you know, like we don't question these things, you know. We are not at liberty to ex- express these things. And here's DJ Kuya just being a Kuya, man, saying, yeah, nah, fuck that. That's not what I believe in, you know. Because this, this and that And he'll be able to break it down for you You know Man, so much So much So back to this whole Walang iwanan You know It's like Tragically I felt like We left him Yeah, we left him we didn't do what Noriega and, and those guys did with Drink Champs. If you haven't seen it, watch Drink Champs, you know. We didn't, and we don't. I don't think it's a Melbourne, it, I don't think it's a culture here in Melbourne, you know. Like, maybe only in a vain way, or maybe we are unable to express this yet, you know. But we don't, we don't celebrate our own heroes, Because of the market, right? The market in this case for DJing, yeah? Like, th- and maybe DJ Koya didn't want this, you know? Rest in peace, D- DJ Koya. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to say any, any bad things about anybody here, but the market, you know, is for younger, in-the-know, young adults, 18 up, you know? When we're talking about going to adult places, you know? And there's so much information out there, but all this information, as Sad Sadguru had said himself in 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 some video I was watching, information is not knowing. It's not really knowing, yeah. 
they're just like he said that they're like survival <coughs> they're like survival mechanics just to sort of know these black and white figures and details and facts you know so if if an artist like myself is to put some stuff up here on 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 anchor you know podcasting mixcloud social media whatever you know you're not really knowing you just oh there's this guy named Lamarock, this guy named anthony yada 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 you know but to really explain stories like this it would take a lifetime because these are people's lifetimes you know and the, the platforms don't exist like they used to where culturally there was a respect for the for your elders you know now it's like people spit the dummy you know like people think they expect that they should get all of these things just because that's how it is you know born with a silver spoon in their mouths you know but we should be celebrating dj kuya there should have been a place where we could see dj kuya like every month at least and maybe there was and i wasn't informed you know i or i didn't more more importantly i should say i didn't inform myself yeah and so that's my fault you know i didn't reach out to dj kuya because I took his presence for granted, you know. But I think, you know, like, it's a stark reality for those people in their 30s onwards. You're going to be going to more and more funerals as your closest friends and, you know, old old troops just, you know, start croaking it, you know. And, I th and you know, like, DJ Voltron was there and he was saying... Fuck, because he's part of ISO, Immortal Shining Ones. That was the, the first family, not a crew, so to speak, you know? Like, it was the first family of hip-hop heads that I've been, become part of. And he was saying, man, it's really good to see you guys, saying, talking to the rest of ISO that were present there, DJ Fayrouz, DJ Jumps, DJ Jezrock, you know? So here I am, like, you know, an aspiring DJ, here with, like, OG, if not triple OG DJs of Melbourne's scene. And they were saying, Voltron was saying, Kuya Voltron was saying, hey, you know, like, you know, it's great to see you, but we should, we really should stop seeing each other this way. <laughs> Man, and, and it's the truth. And really, despite having families, right, despite having a busy career and being busy and, and you know, why can't we be as creative as our parents right and maybe their parents if that those generations exist here in melbourne why can't we be like them and be back at eric errington reserve hall in st albans where you've got a dj kuya playing and a dj dexter playing and you've got all your kids running around you've got the teenagers you've got the adults everyone's there that wants to be there and we are having our own real party unadulterated you know, safe, everyone's keeping an eye on each other, it's like a full cultural thing, and it's a lot less adult and full of crap that, <laughs> I don't know, I'm just not identifying with right now, not putting down other people who do that, you know, on a weekly basis in the city, you know, or wherever, it's like, nah, you know, let's keep that spirit alive of how DJ Kuya and DJ Dexter and all those dudes came into prominence. That's why Filipinos adhere so well with the concept of hip-hop. Because that's what hip-hop 
is at its core, at its essence. Hip-hop is about the party. If I have any listeners that are hip-hop guys, you know, forget about the four elements. You know, the four elements is just one one lens for you to view what hip-hop is. Hip-hop is truly about the party. I don't care your skills. I don't care who you are. You know, you all come together at this party and then you flaunt your shit at the party. Not on Facebook, not on social media, not on friggin... We're all going to have to do these things to sort of express ourselves. But let's do it in a more constructive manner. At a party. If people need to air shit out, air it out at the party. You know? People want to make clear that they don't want to be involved with each other. Make it clear at a party. But don't cut yourself off from the main artery. From the heart. Yeah? That's the party. And, yeah. I don't know. I just hope that I just hope that, you know, this is going to be another one of those massive wake-up calls, you know, and that in the vein and in the spirit of, of, of DJ Kuya, we can, we can improve our lives now, especially for Filipino Australians, you know, that we can start to take ownership of what we do and the tools we use and our chosen career paths in our community, you know, like he did. And I think we need to celebrate him. And I think we need to recognize him a lot more. <coughs> I think it needs to be known that he was part of the, he, that he's part of the operatives, you know? I hope. I, I'm not sure if he is. But <laughs> yeah, I believe he is, you know? That he's part of the operatives. <coughs> and that his legacy needs to continue. DJ Kuya, thank you so much for everything you've done for us. Thank you so much for being such an important person in the not only the uh, Melbourne hip-hop and the Australian hip-hop community, but also in the Filipino community that are aware of you. Thank you so much, DJ Kuya, for opening our minds to the idea of using technology in the right way and being that filter to show us how it can be fused, merged or mixed with traditional art forms. Thank you for being a funny guy. Thank you for being an angry guy. Thank you. Thank you, DJ Koya, for, for being you. Thank you, Kuya Arsenio Liorca Fabai, for being to for being the chief rocker. You're the chief rocker, DJ Kuya. You are the chief rocker. You are the number one chief rocker. And and I'm gonna miss you. We're all gonna miss you, DJ Kuya. Rest in peace. DJ Koya, rest in power. DJ Koya, rest in paradise. Guys, thank you again for tuning into another episode of Pinoy Stradiano. I guess if the uh, if the opportunity presents itself, we, we, we I'd like to talk more about. Um, 
individuals, special individuals like like DJ Koi on the show. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, apologize if if uh, today's episode is is quite heavy, but I guess you know like some of the best art expressed is 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 the art where the where your own personal truths are coming out. You know, it's the nitty gritty that people want to hear about. Hey, and uh, yeah, I really appreciate all my listeners and and even people who've just stumbled upon the show. Thank you so much for listening in. Uh, I hope you guys a wonderful week and catch you next time here on Pinoy Staliano. Ingat!